0: Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, page 771. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these men who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites... your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I'll show wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will return to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh, Amen. It's good news. Uh, we got reading too.
1: Hi, my name's Lavinia, and I'll be reading from Galatians. It's on page eight hundred and twenty-six.
2: Thanks Lavinia, I'm going to keep your Bibles open to Galatians chapter 5, we spend a lot of time on that tonight. Here's our topic for tonight, the spirit and sanctification. Uh, so what, the, what does it mean for the Holy Spirit to make you and I more like Jesus? What does it mean for the Spirit of God to transform us so we're more like the Son of God? If you're new tonight, we we spent the last two weeks on the Holy Spirit. We've been reminded that only the Spirit brings new birth. You can only be born again if the Spirit of God is at work in you. Uh, we've been reminded that all Christians have the Holy Spirit. You can't say, Jesus is Lord, unless you've got the Holy Spirit at work in you. We've been reminded that the Spirit indwells you. He lives in you. The Spirit assures you. He, he reminds you that you are saved. He's your deposit. He's your down payment. We've learned that the Spirit inspired the Word of God and illuminates the Word of God. And tonight we're looking at the way that the Spirit of God transforms us. He's the agent of change, if you want. The way that God's Spirit produces in you and me the, the character traits of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see... If you're claiming to be a Christian, if you're claiming to trust in Jesus, if you're claiming to have the Spirit of God living in you, then people should notice a difference, shouldn't they? If the Spirit of God is at work in you, there should be a huge difference between you and the person who doesn't claim to follow Jesus and have the Spirit living in them. If you're a Christian tonight, I hope you've asked these kind of questions. Do you ever of ask why? Why do I still mess up? I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more gentle and more kind and more patient and more loving. That's what I really, really want. But i just keep messing up. Or why do I still struggle with that sin that ten years ago I struggled with? Why hasn't God fixed that yet? I hope you ask those kind of questions because if you're a Christian, you, your life is a bit like you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know Dr. Jekyll who's that respectable, upright, polite, lovely doctor. But then he's got this alter ego, Mr. Hyde who's repulsive and immoral and violent. And, and that is us, isn't it? Now, on, on the outside, we can all present ourselves as being upright and moral and lovely people, but we all know within each one of us You and me. There's that ugly side, that inner beast, if you want. And the Bible calls that your sinful nature. Galatians 5, verse 16, he says, "I, I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Isn't that your life and my life? That battle every day. The good that I want to do, I don't do, and the, the stuff that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. That fight, that battle, that conflict between your old nature called your sinful nature and your new nature called the spiritual nature. I'll be quite bold. If you never struggle with this, if you never battle like this, I have to really question whether the Spirit of God is in you. Because the normal Christian experience, the everyday Christian experience, is this constant battle between your sinful nature and the spiritual nature. That's what we're looking at tonight how the Spirit's at work in us to help us win that battle. If I said to you tonight, uh, What is God's will for your life? What is God's will for your life? What does God want in you? The Bible doesn't talk about what God wants in terms of your work life or exactly who you should marry or exactly where you live. But the Bible does tell you what God's will is for your life. It's here in one Thessalonians. God's will is that you should be sanctified. You should be more like Jesus. Now that word sanctifies means to be set apart. Means to be separate. It's the same root as the word holy. That is God's will for my life and your life. The moment you put your trust in Jesus, what God wants is for you to become more like your saviour. Of course, uh, the moment you trust in Jesus, actually in one way you are holy, God sees you as perfect. God sees you as holy because you're in Christ. Uh, But you know that you're not holy. And that's what the Bible calls this progressive sanctification This side of heaven, the normal Christian life of being made more like Jesus. In some ways, it's a bit like our church renovations. We've got a great architect, and he knows what it's going to look like. He knows in a few months' time exactly how wonderful this building is going to be. And you and I don't. And we've got three or four months of frustrations and disruptions and disappointments, but... We put up with that because we trust that the finished product is going to be wonderful, it's going to be amazing. And that's God's work in your life, restoring us and reconstructing us. He knows what we're going to be like, and He knows how we're going to get there, but you and I don't. And the amazing thing is with sanctification is that God doesn't leave you to do all the work. God doesn't give you a list of, this is what you must do, put your head down, tick off this list, and then you'll be more like Jesus. He's actually given us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit at work in every one of us, chipping away, prodding away, changing us, transforming us to make us more like Christ. This verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, oh no, it's not on the screen, I'll read it to you. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. Uh, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And see, the Spirit of God is transforming us bit by bit from one degree of glory to another. And when it comes to, t- to sanctification, let me just say a couple of things. The Spirit's work in, in changing you it, it is a gradual process, not instantaneous. It's a gradual process, not instantaneous. It's like raising kids. Uh, Rachel and I don't put Nathaniel to bed tonight. Put him in his cot tonight and expect him to wake up tomorrow morning a fully grown man who can walk and talk and do uh, arithmetic and read novels. It's not going to happen. He's got to learn, he's got to grow, he's got to feed, he's gonna stumble, he's gonna fall, and that will take time. That's the same with you and I being made more like Christ. Sometimes think that we think of the the Holy Spirit a bit like a a paracetamol. You know, you've got a headache, pop a paracetamol, instant fix. You've got a sin in your life, and you're tired of the sinful nature, pop in the Holy Spirit, instant fix. It's not how he works. That's long, slow, gradual change. On this topic with sanctification, though, it's often painful. It's not always pleasant. Of course, the Holy Spirit doesn't seek to hurt us, but he seeks to make us more like Christ. And that can, and it might be painful. Because sometimes there's, there's this embedded sin in your life, this sinful nature, that's such a part of you, it requires almost ripping out. See the phrase that's used down in verse 24? Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. That's not an appealing, friendly word, is it? Crucified. You've put it to death. You know, Sometimes the Spirit of God needs to take you through trials and tests and sufferings and hardships just to make you more like Christ. Remember that quote from two weeks ago? The Spirit leads us in the way of the cross. And that's not a safe, pretty, or comfortable place to be. The way of the Spirit is not a gentle downhill run. It's often a muddy, windy path. So if I was to ask you, what, what, what does God need to do in your life to mold you more into the life of Jesus? I do imagine some, some serious reconstruction work that needs to happen. So that's God's will. What's to make us more like Christ. What's God's way? Living by the Spirit. That's the way he does it. That you live by the Spirit. Look at verse 16 again. I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. A better word for live is walk. Walk by the Spirit. Day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, Walking with the Spirit, walking with Jesus, listening to God's voice, living God's way. I love verse 16 because it doesn't say live by the Spirit and you will not desire the sinful nature. It says you won't gratify the desires. He doesn't say you won't experience those desires. You may still feel jealousy. You may still think about lusting or getting angry. You may feel the temptations, but you don't act on them if you're living by the Spirit. You don't indulge them. But the fight's real. You know, remember the story of the man who took his two dogs to the dogfight every week? One black dog, one white dog. Week after week after week, Saturday mornings, down to the dogfights. And one week, the black dog won, the next week, the white dog won, the next one week, the black dog won, the following week, the white dog, black dog, white dog, black dog, white dog. And someone said, how do you do this? How on earth do you, do you make sure that one week, the black dog wins, then the white dog? I said, oh, it's really easy. Now, from Sunday onwards, I, I, I starve one of the dogs and I feed the other. And the one that I feed always wins the following week because he's stronger. And Paul is kind of saying that about you that, and me, that the one that we choose to feed will be stronger. And if you choose to feed your sinful nature, then the sinful nature will have a control over you. But if you choose to feed your spiritual nature, then you'll start to live by the Spirit. I love what Augustine said. He says, love God and then live as you please. Love God and live as you please. Because if you're really loving God, you can live as you please because you're living by the Spirit. What does it mean to live by the Spirit? I want to look at five phrases that are often misunderstood. Here's the first one. To live by the Spirit means that you keep in step with the Spirit. That's the phrase used down in verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us walk in His footsteps. Let us follow what He does. What's the, what's the work of the Holy Spirit? What's his, his primary work? Remember that? It's to glorify Jesus, to magnify Jesus. Whatever the Spirit does, he's doing it so that Jesus is magnified. And so if you're keeping in step with him, your life will be magnifying Jesus. Have you ever seen those armies that are marching? And all the soldiers marching in exact time with each other they choose to march in time because you know, it, it, it works if, if they chose not to march in time there'd be utter chaos and what God is saying to us tonight that when you keep in step with the Spirit when you talk to God and when you follow what the Word of God says and when you cry out to God and when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus then the spirits working in your life then you'll become more like Jesus And I'm sorry to be rude, but the problem with us is that most of us are like those untrained dogs that you see. You know, you see those untrained dogs with their poor owners. And one moment, that that, that, that dog is dragging their owner off the curb, and the next minute it's sniffing at dog muck, and the next minute it's wrapped around a a lamppost, and you're thinking, oh, that stupid dog. And that is like us. The Spirit's trying to lead us. The Spirit's trying to direct our paths. But like untrained dogs, we're sniffing at muck and we're getting tired around lampposts because we're not keeping in step with him. What does it mean to keep in step? Say in verse 24. I think that's my son screaming out there. Uh, 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature. To, to keep in step with the Spirit means you daily put to death your sinful nature. All the things mentioned in verses nineteen onwards: sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. You know which, which words scare me the most in that list? Says so very last three, and the like. Paul is saying, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just scratching the surface. I don't know what it is in your simple nature that you need to put to death, but there'll be something there. see, see, you need to, to walk in step with the Spirit. Let Him change your desires, empower you not to gratify those desires, starve the simple nature and feed the Spirit. He's dynamite. Just keep in step with Him. Here's my second phrase. Don't grieve the Spirit. Ever heard that phrase, grieve the Spirit? This is the context Ephesians 4 verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger. And what he's saying is that your attitudes and your actions and your anger and your relational breakdowns, they can grieve the Spirit. You've got the spirit of peace living in you. You've got the spirit of unity living in you. You've got the spirit of truth living in you. So when we're disunited and we lie and we are greedy and we are angry and we're full of bitterness, the spirit of God is grieved. He's not saying you lose the spirit. You're sealed with the spirit. You don't lose the spirit, but you do grieve the spirit. You cause him pain. You cause him sadness. How do you make sure that you're not grieving the spirit in your life? Again, I think it's a lot to do with your sin. Clearing your clogged pipes, doing the maintenance work to get rid of all the ways that you're not pleasing God. John Stott says this, The first great secret of sanctification lies in the degree and decisiveness of our repentance. If besetting sins persistently plague us, It's either because we've never truly repented or because having repented, we we haven't maintained our repentance. It's as if having nailed our old nature to the cross, we keep wistfully returning to its scene of execution and we begin to fondle it and long for its release and even try, try to take it down from the cross. And see, every time we try and take that sinful nature that's been crucified down from the cross, the Spirit of God grieves. How else is the Spirit going to make you more like Jesus? Don't quench the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5 says this. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything, hold on to the good, and avoid every kind of evil. Now, what he's saying is the Spirit of God is at work in you, desiring to make you more like Christ, but sometimes uh, you can like, pour cold water onto Him and try and stop Him. Let's be honest, there are some times when we actually don't want to be more godly. There are some times we actually quite like our sinful nature because it would be quite satisfying. And Paul said, no, you can quench the Spirit's fire. H- how do you put out a fire? There's two ways to put out a fire. You either cut off the power supply, the fuel supply, or you smolder it. And It's the same with us. You, know, you put out the Spirit's fire by cutting off the fuel supply. You don't open the word of God, so you're not being fed. And so the spirit can't actually make you more like Jesus. Or, or someone has a word of prophecy to you. They have a word from God for you, but you refuse to listen. You cut off that fuel supply. Or uh, you smolder it with a blanket. You know Your stubbornness, your sinfulness, your laziness, your busyness really stops you listening from the spirit of God in your life. Guy called David Jackman says this. When struggling to be holy and set apart, the problem isn't with the Spirit, the problem's with us. It's not that he isn't able to change us, the problem is that we don't want to be changed and we refuse to listen to him. And that's quenching the Spirit of God. Here's my fourth one. Be filled with the Spirit. If you want to live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit, don't quench the Spirit, and please make sure you're being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, verse 18. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Such an important phrase. Be filled with the Spirit of God. This is not saying that you are filled with one, a one-off experience ten years ago, and you live off that feeling. Uh, Being filled with the Spirit is not a one-off event. It's an ongoing, continual, almost daily being filled with Him. And the clues in the contrast... look, Don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And the word for drunk is an unusual word. It's not the the under-the-influence word. The word for drunk is is a, a soaking word, a permeating word. Don't soak yourself with alcohol, he's saying... But soak yourself with the spirit. You know how when you soak yourself in alcohol, it, it, it controls the whole of you. It controls your mind. It controls your actions, and you become foolish. Well, you know when, you know if you've you've got a, a white t-shirt and it's all dirty and grubby, or maybe you've put it in with a red t-shirt and it's all gone pink. And you buy that nappy sand, or you buy that dye thing, and you get a, a bucket full of water but you've got to make sure the whole of that T-shirt is covered, it's soaked. A- allow this chemical to permeate the whole of the T-shirt, otherwise you'll never get the stains out. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It- it's allowing the Spirit of God to-, to permeate the whole of your body. Does that make sense? I talked talk about last week, uh, my mother-in-law coming to stay, and uh, she's either there or she wasn't there. Uh, but being filled with it means that when my mother-in-law comes into my house, there are, there are no barriers. There's no rooms that she can't go into. I'm saying to her, look, here's my house, mother-in-law. Go wherever you want. Open whatever cupboard you want, whatever drawer you want. Nothing is hidden from you. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. To allow him to permeate the whole of you. Here's my life, God my thought life, my finance life, my marriage life, my singleness, my hobbies, my career, my, my kids. Go wherever you want, Spirit of God, and, and change that area. I'm holding nothing back from you. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And it's a humbling experience because it means that we take our hands off the steering wheel of our life. And we're saying, Spirit of God, You know the areas I need to be made more like Christ. You know the refining work that needs to happen. Here I am. Fill me. Fill me, Spirit of God. Again, quite personally, the times when I think I've done that most, the times when I've just said, Lord, you know I'm holding on to this. Here it is, Lord. Take it. Change it. Use it. It's been painful, incredibly painful. But the fruit and the change has been extraordinary. And the joy, the joy of just handing over this part of your life to God. If the Spirit of God is going to sanctify you, you need to pray that, to be filled with the Spirit constantly, continually. And then lastly tonight, you bear the fruit of the Spirit. This list in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. The thing about this list is that you can't take them individually. It's not like the acts of the sinful nature that's plural, you know. Only some of you will be uh, drunkards or selfish. And The fruit of the Spirit is singular. If you're a Christian marked by the Spirit, you should be bearing all of these fruit. Love, joy, peace. That relationship with God. Love for God, joy in Jesus, peace with God. Patience, kindness, goodness, that that love for others, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See who that list actually describes? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Who is truly loving, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, self-controlled? Only one person. And his name was Jesus. And isn't that the fruit that you want to bear? Isn't that the man that you want to be like? The Lord Jesus Christ. But that's the Spirit's work in you. You can't be more like Jesus without the Spirit of God in you. You can't bear these fruits unless you're abiding in Christ. But if you are being sanctified, you'll be bearing more and more and more fruit for him. So what's God's will for your life? It's very simple, just be more like Jesus. How's he going to do that? You're living by the Spirit. You're keeping a step. You're not grieving, you're not quenching. You're being filled and you're bearing great fruit. Now here's a prayer that Robert Murray McShane prayed. It's a prayer that I need to pray and you need to pray. He says this. Lord God, by your Holy Spirit make me as holy as it is possible for a saved sinner to be. Lord God, by your Holy Spirit, make me as holy as it's possible for a safe sinner to be. Let me pray. Lord God, we make that prayer our own tonight. We thank you for your spirit who indwells us and assures us and longs to change and transform us. Forgive us for times when we grieve your spirit, or we quench your spirit. Give us ears to listen to Him, a heart that longs to obey Him. Spirit of God, we need to be filled, and we do see that often we hold, or we withhold areas of our life where we don't want you to change tonight, Lord, we just say, here we are, all of us. And the Spirit of God, just take us and transform us. And help us bear this fruit that, that points people to our Lord Jesus. In his precious name.